And this morning, we're going to be doing an episode that I think is going to surprise a lot of people. There is a position at Home Depot that I did not know about until I came across my buddy Chuck here on uh, on the LinkedIn. Chuck, welcome to the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, it's uh, very interesting and kind of inspiring that Home Depot has this um, rather unique position. So uh, let's just start there. Uh, what is your position at Home Depot and how did that come about? So I'm actually super lucky. I, um, I lead our military relations team here at Home Depot. Uh, and I kind of lucked into it, uh, to be honest with you. But it's a team that's set up to go through and support a couple major initiatives. The first one is to go through and make sure that Home Depot is the best place for our veterans and military spouses to work. We have over 35,000 veterans and military spouses at any given time across all of our locations in the U.S., over 2,000 locations. Um, the second one is the recruitment and the transition support. So we handle everything from you know, uh, career recruitment, um, skill bridge, and hiring our heroes fellowships. Then the third one is the military spouse careers. As most of us and most of your audience probably knows, it's, it's kind of hard to have a career as a military spouse. Frequent relocations, demands put on you by the military lifestyle, having your significant other potentially deploy or be relocated for different schools and stuff at any given time can you know make it really hard to, to grow a career and our team's here to help support that and then the fourth one is uh you know, branding and messaging we uh we go through and try to share what we do in the community but also we try to encourage others to create military friendly programs and policies through advocacy through partnerships with different organizations like the military spouse employment partnership with the, the white house organizations and then um, other programs at the Chamber of Commerce, you know, um, Higher Heroes USA, those kind of groups as well. So that's kind of our, our four major pillars. And the way I, I, I lucked into it, to be honest with you, um, they they created the team a, a while back because for a long time we had a lot of good things happening, but they were happening in different silos. They said, hey, let's put together a team to um, kind of bring it all under one roof. And uh, I just got just so happened to know the uh the director who was standing up the team she and i had crossed paths a few months prior um as part of our military um our associate resource group that we have so we have an internal group for our associates military and non-military to get involved in like uh, the military space and uh i heard about the heard about their job applied for it and somehow i ended up getting ended up getting it and that's how i joke around like they they let a infantryman into hr and they haven't um you know they have no one to do with me since but it's, it's a good time <laughs> well, um, so when did that office start then? So it started before you. They didn't create it and put you in. Uh, how long has this uh, been around? Probably, um, I do math in my head now, so hold on. 2018-ish uh, was when they created the single umbrella. But like I said, for a long time, we had a lot of different groups doing a lot of different things. And we still have different organizations. So another one that's really popular and really well known is our Home Depot Foundation. They mostly focus externally to the company. That's the group that's improving veteran housing. They're working with partnerships um, with another group to create like trades opportunities for veterans. And they're still doing their, their thing. Um, and they're a phenomenal organization. They've, um, you know, Home Depot's dedicated uh, to improving veteran homes. And they've, you know, $400 million have been, you know, put towards that. They've improved over 50,000 veteran homes across the U.S. And, and a lot of these homes for veterans who have, you know, catastrophic injuries where you know they need special um you know equipment or or special layouts inside their home to accommodate you know their needs and that group is really invested in that one but so about three years now i'd say is when the military relations team which was designed to pull all those internal efforts together under one roof 
It's absolutely beautiful. And my favorite bit about it is really taking into account the spouses of active serving members. Because, I mean, how difficult is that? You're always getting posted around, especially, you know, some trades get posted a lot more than others, hopping around. And um, and it's not a huge income, you know. It's not a, a poverty, but it's not a great income until you at least hit corporal. And um, it is really difficult to have a one-income family. So having that ready there and, and there to facilitate is just incredible is there something in the uh, ownership of home depot that is there a military link there like is there um uh, a tangible reason why home depot has taken a shine to the veteran community you know it's just kind of always been part of our our fabric um like we don't i, I wouldn't say there's like a singular reason why um but we know that i mean we have our we have our, our values that our company um heavily heavily relies on and a couple of those values like giving back um taking care of our associates entrepreneurial spirit um those things really strongly resonate with the military community and then like i said we have um we have thirty five thousand veterans and military spouses across um, our company you can't really walk around without running into one of them and so and as you as y'all are aware like that community is very strong that's one of the first things you run another veteran run to another military spouse and that's your instant connection that you have and that's kind of, I feel like that's the, kind of the reason why it happened. There, there isn't a, there isn't a, you know, a particular single point or a single person that started it, but it's just something that we're just very passionate about. And I mean, our, our veteran and military community had done, has done so much for our country, but also on the flip side, it's, it's good. I mean, it is also good business, like military spouses and veterans bring so many skill sets to your business. They bring so such great problem solving, teamwork skills. These, the, like I, I'd call them the the intangible skills, right? Like you don't necessarily put those on a resume, but when you look at what makes people truly successful, those are the things that stand out. And the military, um, and the and their family members typically are the epitome of those skill sets and the epitome of, of those attitudes that that really drive success. And so, I mean, we're going to lean into it, right? Plus, like I said, with 35,000 of us, it's also self-serving. We want we want other veterans to succeed. And so we will put the energy and effort there because I think that's something that's also very different. You know, in the military, you have that collective mindset, that collective bond, that instant brotherhood and sisterhood that just happens. When you leave, you, you kind of get cut off from that, it seems like. That's the feeling that a lot of people go through. But within our organizations, with our associate resource groups, with this many veterans, this many military spouses, we've created our own orange military ecosystem as well to help fill that that void of brotherhood and sisterhood. Is that military ecosystem just in the States or is it in uh, Canada as well? So um, we do have stores in Canada and Mexico. Um, my team doesn't go outside of the U.S., but I know that um, I've, I've had some conversations with some of our Canadian partners and they do also work to develop some of that as well. But um, we don't have any overlap across the countries on that one. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that because I haven't heard of, I haven't seen any advertisement or any promotion of uh, veteran employment with Home Depot in Canada. Is, is that in the works, do you know, or is that something that you want to scale and grow? Um. That's not really one that I can speak to right now. Uh, I know I don't have any, have any personal plans. I know there are quite a few um, Canadian military members uh, that are 
within our associate groups up there in the Home Depot. But I'll be honest with you, that's one that we really haven't looked at at this time. Well, one step at a time. You're still uh, fleshing out everything that you're doing in the States, and I hope it is something that expands up here. Um, for the the veterans that are coming on board with Home Depot, is there a transition? Like, Tell me about the transition um, allowances that you make. Is there an actual program that, uh, like, with steps? So we have a couple different things um, that we work with. The first one is... Uh, Within our, our Home Depot stores and our Home Depot organization, we have over 2,000 locations, like roughly 500,000 associates at any given time. So it's a pretty large organization. The simplest and one of the most effective ways that we can support that transition is we have an internal coaching program so that when an associate joins, they're aligned to a coach that enables them to just learn as kind of the go-to person. Um, part of that program that we work with is we encourage the stores and locations if they have it available to align a veteran with another veteran. So they get a chance to have that touch base, that one-on-one -on -one, um, experience and also grow that partnership. We also have some specific onboarding material that's made specifically for veterans. And we actually, the cool thing is veterans wrote it. So we said, hey, you know, it's really hard to, you know, take something and expand it across 2000 locations consistently. That's the challenge of scale. So, but we went through and created some specific onboarding material that when a veteran comes in, they identify as a veteran, it gets added to their curriculum that everybody goes through when you join a new company. And the class was written by veterans. So we sat down with a bunch of veterans and said, hey, what are the things that you had questions about? What are the things that you struggled with when you joined the company? And we put that content inside of that, um, that course. And it's not going to solve everything, right? But it's a good primer to kind of go through and establish some good norms to go through and it, let them know that, hey, we value what you're bringing to the team. Here's some things that other veterans have seen and some of their insights. We actually include inside of that, we went around how the veterans speak and they're they're actually talking to the new veteran through these classes. And we're in the process of um, growing. We have an internal community, like an internal social media community that uh, we have two specific groups for veterans and military spouses. that they can They can join, they can engage their fellow veterans. Because some stores you go into, like if you go into a store in a high military market like Hawaii or San Diego or Jacksonville, there could be dozens of veterans in your store, right? If you go back home after you get out of the military to an area that maybe isn't as dense um, in a veteran population, there might only be four or five veterans inside your store, just depending on the general population demographics. So we try to establish that, that, that large connection. For members who are going through transition programs like SkillBridge or Hiring Our Heroes, we actually provide curriculum to help them go through and coach um, and coach things like resume writing, interview skills, informational interviews, um, and then even um, in, in networking and such uh, for members that are part of those programs because we get a little bit more of a, of a heads up and a leeway when it comes to those, um, comes to those programs. It's a spectacular thing that Home Depot is doing, and it, it is mind-boggling to me that there's 35,000 uh, uh, veterans that, that are there. What is um, the biggest barrier or challenge to transition to civilian life, would you say? Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, man. 12-gauge, uh, baby. 12-gauge. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say the biggest challenge of, of the transition is being able to plan for it properly. Like 
when I transitioned and a lot of the veterans, we think we have a plan. We think that we are, we think that we are ready, but we typically focus on the job hunt. Like we focus, if I get out and I get a job, if I get out and I, I move back home, I, I get a job and we, we put all of our eggs in that basket, all of our energy. And then we fail to realize that it's not just a job transition. It's not like going to a new duty station, joining a new unit. It is a full-blown life change. You're going through so many transition events at one time in your life. You're typically relocating. You're completely unplugging from a community that you've been part of while you're in the military. Your spouse and your kids are also unplugging from the community as well. You know, you don't you don't show up to your new location and have a you know family readiness group ready there to welcome you and offer you support and, and everything else. There's relocations, there's healthcare changes, there's school changes, there's typically big financial changes that are happening at the same time. Like you literally take every single major stressor that you can probably imagine and throw it into a blender and that's the military transition but we don't isn't think it, about it that way isn't the toughest the cultural transition though oh yeah i guess that's the thing like you're just unplugging from that community and going to a whole new culture but we don't think about that we don't prep service members for that when they leave you get like a, a you know five minute kind of conversation about it typically um if you by if the way civilians aren't the same oh yeah. okay thanks for the heads up Exactly. Uh, civilians aren't the same, and uh, you're probably going to get the side eye if you do certain things um, that you're kind of used to. So, like, your humor. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Humor, comments, just, just kind of cultural norms. Like, it's just, it's just so different. But we don't, we don't talk about that because everybody focuses on the job hunt, and then they end up kind of missing on, on that section, I think. Well, even the transition from Army to Air Force. Uh, I was an infantry guy. And a lot of my brothers that uh, went over to uh, the Air Force, that was such a shock to them. Say, like, okay, you're still wearing a uniform, but I just saw a private lip off a master corporal. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> you know, how are you not being grabbed by the throat and pinned to the ground right now? What is going on? I'm losing my mind. There's no discipline here. And um, even that transition uh, can be brutal on people but the um the transition the culture change because the expectations that you have uh, that have been just they're in your bones <laughs> you know your ethos and then you come into the civilian world and uh where to go <laughs> there's nothing here and it's funny you mentioned like somebody lipped off and you know they get grabbed by the throat and obviously you know that's that's the stereotype that happened like nobody ever grabbed me by the throat when i was in the military but uh, <laughs> i remember i was in a meeting once and the project was not going well this is this is post-military right the project was not going well and the vp was expressing their frustration and they were telling us you know hey like here's some things to do and i'm i was already rapidly taking notes like we need to okay they want to do this want to do this and we left them, all right got like some marching orders to go out and make some changes right we left the meeting and I went straight into kind of the normal kind of military, you know, Warno or Frago change. Okay, so let's go through and start making these adjustments, start getting everything done. And somebody was like, man, we just got our asses chewed. And I looked at him, I was like, wait, that, we just got our, I, I thought we just got a course correction. He was like, yeah, no, he was really upset. And I was like, I looked at him, I didn't get threatened any physical bodily harm. So I didn't realize that that was necessarily like a bad, like, I didn't, I didn't realize that we had gotten in any kind of trouble. Like I just assumed that they just wanted us to adjust course and we're going, nobody threatened physical body harm. I didn't get threatened to get throat punched or anything like that. 
Um, so like, oh, I, I guess I missed that one. No, I mean, it worked out fine. It was a very successful project, but you mentioned like some of the cultural differences. Um, and on the flip side, when somebody did do something very wrong, I was one time, like I was very irate. Like I was like, like they just broke a rule that you just don't, like I said, we have our own norms in the military. They broke a rule that you just don't do in the military. And I was furious. And if I had been in the military, I probably would have gone to their office and we would have had a very strong conversation of like, you know, what were you, and this is polite way of saying, like, what were you thinking, you know, you know, get your head out of your butt kind of deal um, with a lot more stronger language. Can't do that in the civilian world. I had to go talk to another mm -hmm. veteran. Um, and he was like, you can't pull out the knife hand and start exactly. here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I went to another veteran, his Marine. And, and he, as soon as I told him what happened, he started laughing because he had gone through it too. And he and I chatted. He let me get all my, you know, my frustrations out. Let me drop in us in a conference room, kind of to ourselves. Let me kind of drop all of my, um, you know, my veteran terms, everything else and get it done. Then I, I sat down and I wrote the email and very nice civilian speak. Had to write that thing like three times, like had to write it. Okay. That's too harsh. Delete it, write it, delete it, <laughs> wrote it again, send it out developed a very good partnership down the road, you know, how to take that deep breath, but it, it is very different. Right. And, and we have to remind ourselves sometimes, like I'll, I'll tell my, my team um, and joke around, like what we're doing now, nobody's life is in danger for the most yeah. part. And so like, we don't have well, the same, we don't have to have that same urgency. Cause in your frontal cortex, you know, like logically, you know that. Right. Uh, and, and that's the difference. But the thing is, it has been drilled into you to use your amygdala, that everything is life and death. And mm -hmm. that is the challenge. Uh, one of the greater challenges of military transition, because things are no longer life and death. And you know that cognitively, but you're still wired for life and death. So um, making sure that the pile is six inches to the right not six inches to the left uh it's not life or death it doesn't really matter but it if it's a mission if it's within mission parameters or outside of mission parameters uh, you don't know your brain is doing this you don't realize yeah. your brain is still on a mission <laughs> but it is and your brain is still treating things as life and death but you're unaware of it and that is the challenge of military transition because some people they just never get that so yep. they walk around really angry all the time and nobody knows why well yep. that's why because yep. you um you don't know that your brain is doing it so that self-awareness piece has to be there so is that also part of um uh the military transition that home depot does to make people aware of these types of things like hey this is what you might be experiencing it might be a little frustrating for you but this is what's happening is that part of the um the kit that's part of what, um, like, so we include that when it comes to some of our transition, like specific transition programs, like skill bridge, hiring our heroes, the, um, the mentorship is also designed to kind of bring that out because that's one of those, if you mm -hmm. talk to veterans, who've had a successful transition, they'll almost all say that. Um, and, and they say it in different ways. Um, like the way it was given to me when I first came in like Chuck, you're going to have to, you know, be patient. Like you're already a pretty patient, any pretty patient person anyway. Like I would always say like the tactical patience of letting a situation evolve and making decision was a strength that I, I had in the military. Like you gotta be even more patient at this point. Um, and you, you were talking about like the, the, you know, the, the, the mental responses to those really good book that another, um, she's actually our VP of HR. She's a Marine. She, uh, 
she provided me a book. It's called Immunity to Change. And the interesting part about it was, is that those things that we're wired to do, we will get wired. And this is not a military specific book. This is just in general, like leadership book. But it'll somehow you are wired to do certain things because in the past, either that's how you were successful or that's how you created your balanced ecosystem, which you need as a, you know, as a holistic person to survive and how like that strength and that action that you had in the past. So that decisiveness of action, that aggressive um, response, that aggressive problem solving, that necessarily doesn't mean like aggressive, like physical violence, aggressive, but just tackling a problem the moment that it comes in front of you with all your energy and all your passion that makes you successful in one area. It can also at the same time as a strength cause challenges when applied in a different area or when misapplied somewhere else. And that's something that a lot of veterans have to kind of, we have to realize is sometimes it's okay to let things slip. Like you said, sometimes that, that pile being six inches to the left or right is okay. But on the flip side, that aggression can also be what makes you successful. Like having yourself at a high, having high standards for what you do, tackling problems with passion and energy can also take you a long way as long as it's not over applied or misdirected in a way that it becomes destructive. It's our method of communication as well that uh, creates the conflict because yeah, the, it's that same life or death uh, scenario that necessitates direct communication. No yeah. fluff. Uh, it's just do this now. There's no time to say, hey, uh, nice to see you. <laughs> I was wondering, you know, if you don't mind, could you, you know, that you can't fluff anything up. There's no time for that because everything is quick reaction. Get this done um, two seconds ago or our people are going to die. And there's something beautiful about that type of um, communication and correction. If you screw up, you know that you screwed up because there's no hesitation. There's no thought about how to fluff this up or to be conscious of your feelings. It's like, hey, what the hell are you doing? Get your head out of your butt. Stop that. Do this instead. Yes, yeah. sir. And you go do it. And, we, and but we like that because it's honest. It's clear. It's not ambivalent. You yeah. know exactly what's going on. And you make that course correction and you appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, but um, to civilian ears, it sounds really mean and aggressive, but it's not. It's clear and it, and it's it's direct and it's unambiguous. It's beautiful. And I miss it. <laughs> yeah, there's um, I mean, there was a few times when I was like, I imagine I remember back when like, I, was a, I was a young lieutenant and, you know, every young lieutenant makes a ton of mistakes. Right. I mean, that's kind of the point of being a young lieutenant. But I remember me and a, it was actually me and a peer, another lieutenant. Um, neither one of us was 100 percent in the right. But we got in a conflict and, uh, you know, get, big argument ensued, went to each other's office, yelled at each other, worked our way through it, and then literally went out an hour later, conducted a operation. Everything went great. Everything was fine. And then, you know, fast friends for, for the rest of time. But we literally were chewing each other out, like borderline wall-to-wall <laughs> -wall counseling, as they used to joke around about it back in the day. Um, but we were perfectly fine. I, you can't do that in the civilian workforce. Uh, and a lot of it's because people don't have the same singular mission, right? At the end of the day, we weren't mad at each other because of necessarily personal stuff, or we were letting personal stuff get involved in a mission. But we always knew that mission came first. We always knew that our men and women came first. We always knew that that was where we were going to focus. So the rest of the stuff was just noise. Um, whereas in the civilian world, uh, 
there is still a mission. There is still a purpose, but the, the commitment to it's going to be a little different amongst individuals. And then also when you do go in and have those stern conversations, there's a personal aspect to it. People feel like it's a personal attack and that can burn bridges. And I'm not even saying they're wrong. Like that's just a different communication style, a different communication environment than the one you came from. And you have to, you have to adjust and you can adjust. I mean, it's, it's, it's not impossible. It's not that hard. I, you know, one thing we tell veterans all the time, especially in like in a virtual environment, we tell them they have to smile. Like you, you like it, it's something so simple, right? Even, even I years after getting out, will get comments like, Hey, like you sat in that entire meeting and you were just stone faced the entire time. People think that you're not happy. They think that you're you're grumpy or something like that. No, I've been out since 1995, and people are still making comments. And I'm a yeah. happy-go-lucky guy in general, but uh, when I'm in business mode, people are like, oh, "Are you angry?" Yeah. <laughs> and I had a situation where um, I was brand new. Uh, I was new to a operations um, manager role where I was I was working on appliances and kitchens, and and it was a, it was a great job, great team. But I remember a situation, this one I tell to a lot of my veterans just to be cognizant of because nothing actually happened, but I, I kind of scared somebody once. So I had an analyst um, and, and she was a phenomenal analyst. Uh, she wasn't on my team. She was on a, another team, but she supported us. And she was she was not from the United States. So um, this was her first job. She got out of college and she was working over here. And uh, like I said, she was phenomenal, great person. But like to put it in the context, she was like maybe five foot two, five foot three didn't have a lot of um, exposure anyway to our military, much less to kind of those norms. And I'm, I'm six one. I'm not as, you know, I'm not, not the lean mean machine that I was back in the military, but I'm still six one. I'm still in pretty good shape. So I I tower over this person and we're standing there in the hallway and, and she had identified a problem and she, and she brought it to me. It wasn't something that she had done. Wasn't something any of our team had done. It was the problem that she found that we needed to address. But she brings it to me. She said, hey, I found this problem. Here, she starts laying out the details. Well, what do I do? I'm standing there. I cross my arms. I get like the stern thinking face on, you know, the typical face that we, you think about all the, all the leadership meetings, all the squad leader meetings you ever had in the military, like that just. And you're just, uploading, you're just uploading information. Yeah, right? I'm just sitting there. I'm thinking, right? Like I'm, I'm trying to think and I already have really bad face. I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm, but, it, but for her, like she had not really talked to me much before, you know, and now there's this person with this like veteran background because people knew that I was in the military. I'm, I'm standing there. I'm kind of, you know, probably had my legs spread a little bit wider than normal. You know, I'm in that, that ready stance. And for her, like that was intimidating. And it wasn't intentional. Like I said, she didn't do anything wrong at all. I wasn't even mad. I was just thinking like it, we had a good solution for it, but, and I didn't even notice it either. Like she, she kind of like, you know, stepped back a little bit and, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to think about this and I'll get back to you. And then that's kind of how the conversation parted. Um, and then we turned, it ended up, um, she ended up being a mentee of mine down the road. Um, we had a great relationship. Like I said, she was phenomenal what she did and we still keep in touch to this day, but it was later that she's like, she was kind of scared of me. Like she was like this guy, like kind of, you know, kind of hooked up a little bit when I brought, and I didn't yell, but like I yelled or, or lost my temper or anything, but that projection is something that is normal in the military space, not normal, especially for somebody that doesn't have a lot of exposure to the military to have a lot of exposure to us. And then you add in the fact that I was, I'm physically 
more imposing than she is. Those kind of things. Um, you just got to be aware of it. Like I said, nothing, nothing was intentional about it purely by accident, but everybody has different perceptions of what's happening around them. And, um, and so those, that's another story that I had to share. Like it's even small things like that. You don't realize that the crossing of the arms is an unapproachable posture, the stern face, the, the, just the way that we were taught to project power in the military. We're taught to project confidence. It can be overprojected. It can be misrepresented at times. Well, that's what drill is. Uh, drill mm-hmm. is actually neuro-linguistic programming because you feel the way that you um, your posture and your feelings are linked, and it goes in yep. both directions. If you feel like crap, you can see because you're slouched and you're and you're down. But uh, to fix it, you fix your posture. <laughs> yep, absolutely. It's one of the reasons you feel 10 feet tall and bulletproof. It's not just because there's a rifle in your hand and a uniform on you. That's that's half of it. But the other half is that shoulders back, chest out, chin up, standing rigid. If you do that, you feel strong. Yeah. And you feel confident, which you kind of have to <laughs> if you're going to be going into battle. You can't be scratching your chin and going, oh, geez, you know. Yeah. <laughs> No, you have to be sure that you're doing this and 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 committed to it. There's no half measures. And um, I think it's brilliant that there is a mentor program as well. So when you bring on a new hire, you pair them with a military mentor to to help them with that transition. That's probably the best piece right there. And yeah. I imagine there's mentor training for that as well. Um, there is a little bit, but we're trying to grow it. Like I said, the, the challenge you run into with, um, with large organizations is just like the military. Like we'll say, like I always joke around, you know, with 500,000 associates, we're larger than every military branch except for the Army. And we're quickly catching up to them. So just like there when it comes to, you know, deploying something across scale, um, there, there are areas to improve, but we're taking an incremental approach. So we, we have the stuff with the coaching now. That's the intent. We're looking at how we can reach out and engage all of our different associates across the scale and in, in better ways for our military veterans. And we're making improvement there. The the coaching that happens for that right now is kind of is kind of general. But we also went through and we put out some training, not specifically for the veteran, but for the HR and the recruiting partners as well. Because, you know, we can coach and train veterans with other veterans, but they still have non-veteran leaders, non-veteran support um, associates as well. So we're in the process of continuing to grow that awareness, grow that understanding um, and, and grow kind of the, the you know, the buy in from those organizations, too, because the veteran population, in the workforce is also shrinking. And so um, so and it's and it's, it's a slow, gradual um uh, shrink of the veterans in the workforce but as that happens you're going to have less and less veterans as well um, engaging with the smaller population of veterans so have to educate and and um, engage that group beyond just engaging the veterans well this show was born out of peer support it started with the peer support group that i wanted to scale and uh, then it morphed into a trauma recovery podcast. But you can't really have one without the other because peer support is a pillar of trauma recovery. So I would suggest as a resource uh, for your mentors, the first 10 episodes of this show, because that's where it was born, how to be a good peer supporter and also how to not screw it up. Because yeah, so look into that. It's, um, it's really 
really easy to screw it up, especially if um, uh, somebody is really looking for that guidance. And if you don't do it the right way, you can actually send somebody directly into isolation because right. uh, it's called, um, oh, what's it called? Sanctuary trauma. So I think this is the safe space. This is where I should be. And this is where I, I'm allowed to be myself and be comfortable. And then you get smacked upside the head. And when that happens, that's why there's so many veterans on the road as truck drivers. Just they're like, well, I can't do this. <laughs> this transition isn't working. So I'm going to go crawl into a truck and I'm going to stay there for the next 30 years. And it happens all the time or equivalent thereof. Uh, you might find people... Um, uh, they don't want to be on the front end with people and customers are like, stick me in the warehouse with a forklift. I just want to put boxes on shelves. Okay. You know, and, but what was actually happening there is they don't want the conflict. They don't want uh, that feedback of I'm different. There's something wrong with me. I can't relate to you and I don't want to be corrected for it. I know I'm the odd man out. I don't want to upset anybody. And I don't want to be upset. So just let me hide on the forklift and stay there and stay the hell away from me so that I don't do any damage. And um, when people understand that this is what's going on, then you can work around it. And also what's causing it exactly, precisely, and how to work around it and support it. And, you know, everybody makes fun of the, the safe spaces in colleges now, but I, I kind of get it now. Uh, because if you don't do a peer support group right, it does more harm than good. If you do right. it right, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And uh, that those mentors, that is a peer support role. Yeah. And it takes a lot of courage to be a mentor, too, because to do it right, like you said, as a mentor, you also a lot of times have to share some things that make you a little vulnerable, too, so that somebody else feels mm -hmm. that, that they are in a safe place to, to be vulnerable. And we joke around, like, and we, like you said, we do joke around about like the safe space, but that's also part of the... You know, that's part of the the dark humor or the dark protections that we put up against ourselves in the military where we make jokes and we we make light of very serious situations in order to you know cope with it because yeah. what you're asked to do is not something that is normal is not something that is um you know easily uh, dealt with later on down the road so we humor is a is a defense mechanism that we we leverage in that so you're absolutely right like to be a mentor of veterans you do have to be vulnerable. You do have to go through and be mindful of what you're saying um, because you don't want to say something wrong that could, that could isolate somebody. Um, we try to provide uh, just at, within our veteran space, maybe not necessarily on, 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 on depot side, but there's, we try to provide the best support that we can when somebody does come to us. We have a lot of phenomenal leaders. Um, we also have a lot of programs at Home Depot that aren't specifically for military veterans. They're for all of our associates, but our veterans can really leverage them. So like a lot of our associate support, we have something called CARE, where our associates have access to um, mental health professionals, you know, 24-7 throughout the year. And that's not just veterans, that's all associates. We also have access to like remote doctors and remote conversations as well. A lot of resources around um, all kinds of stress, whether it be family stress, personal stress, um, a lot of support in that regard too. And that's just part of as our company values of just taking care of our people. But when we talk to veterans, um, it's, like, it's not just right. We're not saying there's anything wrong with you, but if you are having trouble, you have options to go talk about. And I, I love it. We had a, we had a great conversation on veterans day. 
we actually got a bunch of our, we had a, we have a couple of VPs um, that are all veterans and they're different parts of the organization. And they got together and we did an internal like televised talk with them. And it was led by my boss. She's the spouse of a Marine and a, and a, and a stepmother of Marines. Um, it was facilitated by her. And it was very interesting because these VPs who are all very successful and they come from all different walks of life in the military too. Um, we had some, you know, with some infantry people, we had logistics people, we had Marines, Navy, Air Force, Army, um, all these senior leaders talking about their experience, you know, their careers at Home Depot, how they've grown their careers, their transitions. But the part that was very interesting was every single one of them said, hey, look, like, it's okay to go talk to somebody. It's okay. Whether you start with a veteran or you go see an actual mental health professional, it is 100% okay. And it was interesting because these are all very successful and proud people, very proud of their military service, very successful in the business environments that they're in. They are VPs at a Fortune 20 company. Like they are leaders in their space. And they were open to having that conversation. They were open to sharing that with people because there are some things that just a peer network is not going to be able to solve. But that peer network can be the support and the foundation to help encourage somebody to go get that help, to go, to go, you know, slowly make those steps that'll take them to address. And, and it's not like Hollywood portrays it, right? That's one of my biggest frustrations. Hollywood like portrays the broken veteran as like a catastrophically broken veteran. That's not the case. It could be something super small. It could be something like, you know, pet peeves that could set you off, or it could be something very large that you're dealing with. They're all important. They all deserve attention. And there's nothing wrong with going through and addressing that. There's nothing wrong with going out and seeking out that help, whether it be a peer support or it be an actual mental health professional. That is just beautiful because um, recovering out loud is one of the mantras of the show. I've said it a a million times because that's the only way to get rid of the stigma. If people are standing up and saying, hey, look, here's the struggles I had. Here's what I did about them. Uh, I spoke to somebody and, it, you know, for, for years or, or whatever their story is by doing that and doing it without any embarrassment, without any, it's just like, yeah, it's no, no big deal. You know, this is kind of a natural thing. And this is what I did about it. Yeah. When you do that, when you recover out loud, when you are transparent, that gives other people courage. It reduces and eliminates stigma. And that's also a big chunk of this show by uh, some of the people that have tuned in. They have listened to, say, 20, 30, 40 episodes because reaching out for help was beyond them. There's just Mm -hmm. it was way, way, way too scary. So but after 20, 30 episodes of not just listening to me, but the guests that I have on, it becomes normalized for them. And then that courage builds until they reach out for help. And I've had private feedback that's come back to me more than once saying that's exactly what happened. Thanks to the show. That was different. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. You were gone and then you're back. But um, As, uh, on my side, I was still here and you were gone. So I don't know <laughs> who to yeah. blame on that one. <laughs> well, we'll see on the video while, what that what that looks like. My audio kept going, so it didn't know any better. Welcome back, Chuck. <laughs> Glad to be back. But um, it, it's beautiful that uh, all the programs that are going on with Home Depot, that is 
so impressed and I'm, I'm glad that they're doing that. And I, I hope that other organizations are modeling after Home Depot to, um, to, to do that as well. Because many are trying. There's all kinds of organizations. Yeah. And there's uh, one of the other parts of the show is that I'm an aggregate for resources because it is so splintered. People do not know where to go. Uh, there's a thousand different resources out there, but there's no one place to find them. So I'm doing my best to be that yeah. one place, which is why I reached out to you in the first place. And and it's really hard because, like you said, there there are thousands of resources, some better than others. Some are probably more, you know, some might be the perfect fit for your individual situation, but finding it's hard. And I, I don't have an answer for that. Um, we try to support where we can. Um, like I said, we have a lot of stuff that's made to support our associates holistically. So, um, and luckily a lot of that does dovetail very well with the veteran population and then any particular needs that they have. And then our team, like my entire team is comprised of military veterans and military spouses. So we are very, you know, it's personal for us too. When we, when we get involved and we try to support, we try our best to take care of everything that we can to provide the best support that we can because the people that we're supporting are, you know, our brothers and sisters, they're our fellow veterans or fellow military spouses. So it's also personal for us. So that, that, that personal piece to it drives a passion. It drives an investment. And so we're, we're excited to, to help where we can. And we also like, we, we do have some good partners that we work with that are, are very good. Most of our stuff is very much heavily on the military transition and employment side of the house, because that's an area that we can directly touch as a team and we can directly support um, as a team. But I'm, I'm really excited to see a lot of the, a lot of the resources coming available. And like you said, a lot of the, some of the stigma is getting, getting torn down as people are, are willing to talk about it, as people are able to, to share what they're going through. Well, I'm so grateful for uh, Home Depot doing what they do and for you do, continuing to serve this community. Uh, Chuck, thanks so much for being on the show today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right, brother. Please stay on the line. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. Outstanding. Thank you, Chuck. Oh, that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I like your intro. It's pretty slick. <laughs> thanks. I 